Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Freedom, freedom in the air. Anybody feel a little bit freer already? Feel a little bit lighter? It, it, has, been, it has been one of those weeks. You know, sometimes you just get those weeks where it feels like um, anything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong or, or just like everything is a little bit more of a struggle than it normally is. And it's like, what, like, what the heck is going on, God? And then oh, I remembered, oh, yeah, like we're fasting. <laughs> there are certain things that we're fasting. And you'll, you'll find it's just the way it works. Whenever, whenever you release something in the natural, whenever you do a fast, to dedicate, de- dedicate that portion, whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's food, whether it's social media, whatever you're releasing to, to separate yourself unto God, you will find that there's, there's a, a renewed presence. You will find that there's a, a, a spirit that is elevating your life. But at the same time, you'll also find that there's like more challenges, there's more obstacles. It's like, what the heck? Can't we just can't we just have this? But then you have to realize that all of the challenges are meant to magnify him. All of the challenges are meant to elevate you even more. What what you thought was just a, a, a nice little good experience can become a great experience, can become a life transforming experience because of the challenges. It's because of the challenges that the blessings of God are magnified. It's because of of the the hardships that we endure that we really appreciate freedom. Who appreciates freedom in this country? God, I'm wearing my my freedom socks right now. Freedom series. Do we have any any veterans or active duty in the house? Come on, God bless you. We love you. Veterans in the active duty. I was in the chair force, I mean air force, but... I did, I did just do, I did mainly sit in a chair when I was on active duty doing research. It was pretty cool research stuff. I was at the Air Force Research Lab at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and, um, and I got the opportunity to, to engage in uh, access to space technology, next level access to space uh, research and development, and it was really cool for me coming out as you know, a fresh college student, a butter bar, second lieutenant, and uh, just getting exposed to, to brilliant minds and, and all the amazing things that we're doing. Uh, but actually, it was, it was actually my time while I was active duty where I got to participate on the Honor Guard that I really looked at as um, the most significant for me in terms of serving my country, where I got to honor our veterans who had passed away by providing funeral services for them and, um, and, and seeing them uh, take that final step of freedom to go home and be with their Heavenly Father. But um, it's a, it was a great experience for me, and uh, we appreciate everyone that serves. And, and this, it's not a Memorial Day message. It's not a Veterans Day message. But this is, this is a message that's centered around freedom. We're in a freedom series. We believe that, that, that we are set free, but then there's also different levels of freedom. Maybe, maybe we've been set free in one area, but we find there's a little bit of a struggle or, or a challenge or a trial in another area. And that's okay because we have a whole series on it. So if you don't get the breakthrough in one service, just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Keep praying. Keep believing. Pressing in. You will find freedom in so many areas. But it's a process many times. You can, you can receive that free gift of grace, the, the gift that Jesus paid for by his blood to set us free for eternal life. But you'll find that you still have to walk through some challenges on this earth. 
But like I said before, every challenge that you face on this earth with Christ is a way to magnify Christ in you. It's a way to lift up the name of Jesus in you, to honor him so that you can go higher. That we, the Bible says that we go from victory to victory to victory, from mountaintop to mountaintop. Well, how do you get from one mountaintop to another mountaintop? You walk through a valley, unless there's a bridge there. But that's the beautiful thing. Jesus Christ is the bridge. He's the bridge to take you from one mountaintop to another mountaintop. When you walk by faith, you don't have to go down into the valley. You can actually go from mountaintop to mountaintop by faith. It's impossible in the natural. You can, you can hop on an airplane, but there's, there's certain experiences that, that you can't fly over. You have to be boots on the ground. You have to walk through that struggle. That was a word for somebody right now. It's it, like there's certain things you can't just hop in a hot air balloon and let the wind blow you wherever it blows you. You have to, you have to walk through that struggle. But, but if you keep walking, if you keep walking through that valley, the presence of God will be with you every step of the way. Don't camp in the valley. Don't, don't set up shop in the valley. Don't go into a pity party in the valley. Just keep pressing up. You see the mountaintop. You see it's there. When, when you're in that valley, when you're walking through the mud, just know that, that he is with you and know that that mountaintop experience is, is just a couple of steps away. Just a couple of steps away. Keep pressing in. I want to talk about two of the greatest liberators in the Bible. We're talking about freedom. Two of the greatest liberators in the Bible. Anybody ever heard of Moses? Moses kind of kind of important figure in the Bible. What about Jesus? Everybody should know that name. Come on. The name that is above every other name. Two of the greatest liberators in the Bible, deliverers. One set an entire nation free of slavery. Another went into hell and set all the captives free. Come on, that's, a, that's pretty hard to beat. Go down into hell, set everybody free. Anybody else done that? No? No? Okay. Well, just, there's one. There's one of them. There's a lot of links between these two heroes in the Bible. And we're going to talk this morning about maybe a link that's, that's unexpected, maybe one that, that you haven't heard of. The title of this message is Lift the Veil. Lift the Veil. This is a word that God dropped into my heart a couple weeks ago, actually as I was preparing for another message, a message I preached on grace. And, uh, and he, he put this word so heavy on my heart, I was thinking, oh man, I need, to, I need to not do the other one and just do this one. Like I want to bring this word under the Freedom series and then things shifted around a little bit and I was able to, to come back in and preach again in the series like, okay, I got, I got the message already. God's already put it on my heart. Lift the veil. So when you think about that, that phrase, lift the veil, who, who thinks of weddings, right? Like when you think of lifting the veil, you think of a wedding. And so I did a little bit of research to look at, uh, at the history of the bridal veil. And, and there's a lot of really interesting things that you can find when you, when you look, into this, uh, look into this topic. I'm not sure I believe all of it or any of it, but, um, but it's funny, so I'm going to share some of it with you. Or interesting, at least. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons for the veil, supposedly, is that it's a symbol of the bride's purity, you know, and that kind of lines up with the, the white wedding dress, the, the purity of the bride. And, um, but if you look back, uh, one of the first instances of the use of a veil, going back to uh, Roman culture, early Roman culture, the, the bride's veil wasn't white, it was red. It was a full body length veil encompassing the whole bride that was red. And the reason why it was red, it was to ward off demons. The bridal veil, which is, I mean, this sounds pretty cool, like, 
pretty sure that that, that veil is not going to ward anything off, but, but it's, a, it's a great thought, right? It's a great idea, the, the full-length veil covering the whole body to ward off demons, to keep evil, jealous spirits away. I mean, that's not bad. Hey, you know, worth a try, right? Can't hurt. Another, another reason for the veil uh, in the context of arranged marriages, if you have this long, full-length veil, it actually made it hard for the bride to, to run away. Maybe she got a little bit of nervous, little butterflies, but she's got this massive veil all around her, and she can't get away too fast. And so it kind of kept the bride there on task, on point, and that's actually why you would, you would always see somebody walking with the bride down the aisle, is to keep her from tripping over the veil that's warding off evil spirits and keeping her from running away. In arranged marriages, sometimes the, the bride and groom hadn't even met yet, and so the veil was sometimes there to, to cover the face of the bride so the groom wouldn't run away. <laughs> Just in case. He's never, never seen her, never met her. You know, they say the I do's before they lift the veil, so he's locked in. He can't go anywhere. He's committed, so he can't run away either. You never know. I mean, uh, am I going to get a Rachel or a Leah? A Rachel or a Leah? Like, I, I, it could be... It's actually, if you read the Bible, which we encourage, uh, it's actually not during the ceremony that you have to worry about whether or not you're going to get a Rachel or a Leah. It's after the reception. At the end of the night, you got to make sure there's not a little game of switcheroo going on. My bride, my bride wore a veil to, to our ceremony. Not for any of those reasons. Not for any of those reasons. If we have a picture. There it is. Our veil. This was uh, 15 years ago almost. In our, we're in our 15th year at the Marriott. Mission Bay, and that is Pastor Jurgen back there. He called me Matthew during the ceremony. <laughs> he had a scripture out of Matthew that he was reading. Do you, do you, thank you for joining us at the wedding of Lisa and Matthew. I was like, Matthew? <laughs> but not a chance. When I saw that face, not a chance I was going anywhere. But uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful time. And, and during the ceremony, uh, you might notice this picture, they captured it really well. Uh, her veil was kind of flowing with the breeze. And I didn't know this at the time, but, but there was moments in the ceremony where her veil would just completely encompass me. It would cover me, wrapped around me. It was almost like the Holy Spirit joining our lives together. It was a, it was a, uh, a beautiful picture. It is a beautiful picture of what a covenant relationship is. Not just a contract. You know, marriage is, is not a contract. There is a marriage license and you do sign it, but... But maybe, maybe there's somebody here in here today, and, and it's been a struggle to, to live out your marriage as a covenant. Maybe it's been a contract. At the end, there's going to be a, an opportunity, and I'd love to pray with you as well. But, but we have to shift our minds when we, when we think about marriage from contract to covenant. And we have to shift our minds when we think about our relationship with God from contract to covenant. And that's what I want to talk about today. And uh, as, we, as we start off with Moses, this first scripture is kind of the principal focus of this message in 2 Corinthians 3, 13 to 17, says, we are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And this is very important. Verse 17, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
Amen. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it's kind of obvious from this passage of Scripture that we, we don't want this veil. We, we want the veil to be removed, and it can be only removed by believing in Jesus Christ. There's some hardening of our minds. There's some hardening of our hearts. There's, there's a veil that can come in and separate us from something, and that's what I want to unpack today. The first veil that we have to lift off our life is the veil of the mind, the veil of the mind. What is the veil of the mind? Who, who enjoyed Coral Verley's amazing tithe message this morning? Fantastic. She did a, a great job talking about one of the veils of the mind is that we can look at things from what we have to do instead of what we get to do. We don't, we don't have to be a husband. I get to be a husband. We don't have to be a parent. We get to be a parent. Even through the struggles and the challenges, we get to have the opportunity to raise up our sons and daughters in the way they should go. We get to be servants in the house of God. We get to worship him. We don't have to worship him. It's not forced on us. That's the beauty of, of God's design. He's given us free will that we can choose what we get to do. Now, there's choices that will lead to death, and then there's choices that will lead to life. Come on, who wants to make some choices that will lead to life? We gotta make those good choices, the choices that lead to life. But one of the things that can keep us from making those choices is the veils that cover us, the veils that can cover our mind. Exodus 34 says this, when Moses came down in verse 29, Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, again, it's a covenant relationship, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. You see, Moses had encountered the presence of God. Moses, Moses uh, the Bible says, God would speak to him as a friend speaks to a friend. So the presence of God encountering the face of Moses, direct communication. And, and Moses didn't realize it, just like I didn't realize that Lisa's veil was covering me. Moses didn't realize that the radiance of God was reflecting off of his face, that, that the interaction that he had, the covenant relationship, the exchange that happened wasn't a contract. It was an intimate relationship. And so the, the reflection of God's glory was coming out of Moses' face. And when he came down to the people, they, they couldn't look at it. There was something that was, that was preventing them from, from stepping into the presence the way Moses had. There was something that was, that was blocking, blocking their hearts or blocking their minds. There was a veil that was over them. And jump down to verse 34. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting, Moses, to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord gave him, and the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face, so he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. When Moses went into the presence of God, either up on the mountain or, or in the tent, he didn't want anything, anything to hinder that. So even though he had to wear a veil when he was down with the people because they weren't quite ready for that presence, when he went into the presence of God, he removed the veil because he wanted, he wanted the full measure of God's grace on his life. He wanted the full instruction. He didn't want anything to, to, to filter out or to distort what God was saying to him because he had to be the one to carry that message to the people. So if there was a filter on Moses, when he went to the people, then there would be a filter between the Moses and the people and the message would be distorted. Anybody ever played telephone? It only takes like two or three, two or three transitions for the message to start to be distorted. 
Moses didn't want that message to be distorted. We don't want the message to be distorted. We want the full, the full effect, an unfiltered truth from heaven in our lives. If you want that, then you gotta remove the veil. You gotta remove the veil of your mind. The people weren't ready for that. Why? They needed the covering over the glory. They couldn't quite handle the, 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 even the partial effect, the reflection of God's glory from Moses' face. Well, you have to look at their situation, the circumstance. Moses delivered the nation of Israel out of 400 years of affliction. Even going back to the land of Canaan, they, the, the word was given to Abraham that, that your people will be afflicted for 400 years. They won't have a land of their own. From, so from that time, from when Isaac was, was just a young lad, five, five years old, Ishmael, the, 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 there was animosity between them. There was animosity between the, the nation of Ishmael and the nation of Isaac. And so that affliction existed even before Egypt. But then they go into Egypt, and then they endure slavery, harsh affliction, harsh taskmasters. And so for 400 years, the mindset of the people was one of affliction. This is what Moses is dealing with, is getting, getting the mindset of 400 years of generations of affliction to, to, to be pushed aside. And so you can start to understand, you can start to empathize with them a little bit that there would be a bit of a struggle, generational strongholds, generational curses, generational ways of thinking. We're here to break generational strongholds, generational curses, generational ways of thinking. But you gotta remove the veil of the mind. You gotta remove the way that your granddad thought or his granddad thought. You gotta remove the way that our parents operated. If it's not in alignment with the word of God, then that's the thing that you're called to break down, to tear off your life to step into the gap and say this far and no farther. My kids will not have to deal with this thing. I'm getting our family set free so my kids can be free, my grandkids can be free. But we've gotta lift the veil off our own mind first. The nation of Israel had to lift the veil off their own mind, but it wasn't an easy task and it took a little bit longer than expected. Even, even past the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, from the writings, or from the, the deliverance that Moses brought to the writings of Paul when he, when he sent this letter that we started off with to the Corinthians was about 1,500 years. 1,500 years of struggling with hard-headedness. 1,500 years of, of trying to, to receive the presence of God but not really getting full access or the full measure of the presence. 1,500 years of, of limited signs and wonders asking why. Only two generations actually witnessed the, the exodus from Egypt. Two generations which witnessed the, the plagues that God brought on the nation of Egypt to get them released. Two generations witnessed and actually walked through the Red Sea. But one of those generations, the older generation, still had doubt. And so they couldn't go into the promised land. It was only the people that were 20 years old and younger, plus, plus Joshua and Caleb, that were actually able to enter in to the promised land. Only one of the two generations was able to go in and experience the promised land. But still, but still, even after that time, even after 1,500 years of struggling with limited access to the presence of God, when Jesus came, even for 2,000 years to this day, there's still so many that struggle. There's still so many that have a limited mindset. There's still so many that haven't lifted the veil. Why is that? 2,000 years, on top of the 1,500 years, on top of the 400 years, you'd think in that amount of time they would be able to, to get that release. But the truth is that there's a very real adversary, and his job is to steal, to kill, and destroy. His job is to distort the truth, 
So many times in, in the media, in, in uh, movies, and books, we'll see, we'll see a picture of the truth, and we think, oh, yeah, that, that's true. That lines up with the Bible, but it's just a little bit distorted. It's just, it's just a little bit off from, from the whole truth. Come on, we want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. But that means that you have to lift the veil of lies. The devil is the father of lies. He is an adversary. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says this, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Have you ever wondered why it's, why it's so hard for some people to, to receive this message? Why it's so hard for, for some people to, to get it. It's like we, the revelation has come to us, but, but it's so hard. We feel so much resistance. Maybe when you, you talk to, to your family and, and there's just some people that just won't accept it. Their, their hearts are hard and their minds are hard and they don't even, don't even want to hear it. They've, or they've already made up their mind about it. Come on, somebody. Who's, who's got that person in your life? They've already made up their mind about it. Well, you have to lift the veil off your own mind first so then you can start to help them. So you can start to reach them. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. How good is that? We, we can carry that light, the light of Jesus Christ. Let there be light in the darkness. And the darkness will not comprehend it. Maybe you go into your family this, this holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and, and, and you find it hard to connect with certain people. Maybe, maybe they're a little bit like the nation of Israel, and they're just not ready to, to see the glory, even the reflection of the glory. It actually pains them at times. The, the nation of Israel couldn't look at the face of Moses. It pained them, and so they had to put the veil on. There's times where, where we can come into the presence of God, and we receive that full measure, but, but not everybody, when we go out into the world, is ready to receive that. It's actually repulsive to them. They can't look at it. You have to have grace for them. You have to have grace for them. Put a veil over your face. I'm not saying distort the truth. I'm not saying lie. Moses never lied. He never distorted the truth. But there was a covering of grace for the people that he was called to minister to. Allow that covering of grace to be in the place. Do not do anything or say anything that contradicts the word of God. Live your life the way God has commanded you to and instructed you to. His spirit will be with you. He'll teach you how to speak with grace to the hearers, Ephesians 4, 29. He'll give you the words to share that message, which needs to be shared to the people that need to hear it in a way that they can receive it, in a way that they can accept it. Paul said, we are not like Moses. Who is the we? We is anybody who has found freedom in Jesus Christ. We are the we. We are the ones that are called to lift the veil from our mind, to lift the veil. How do we do that? Well, if there's anything in your heart that, that maybe doesn't ring true, maybe people have spoken things over you or spoken things over, over this church or spoken things over your family or East County, and, and you're just thinking, you know what, that doesn't resonate in my spirit. It, you know, even if it might sound true on a certain level, it just doesn't line up with what the word of God says with me. Who, who likes to watch detective shows? Anybody like detective shows? Come on, what does a detective do if something doesn't seem right? They keep asking questions. They keep digging. 
They keep, they keep discovering. We have, to people, we have to be a people that's excited about discovering. We have to be excited to discover the truth. We have to be excited to unpack those mysteries. Something just doesn't sound right when, when, when somebody says, oh, East County is just a, a low socioeconomic area. East County is just the poor part of San Diego. East, East County is just, we're just the blue collar thing. Hey, you know what? That just doesn't sound right to me. It just doesn't resonate with me. We have to be the ones that, that hear those things and, and, and turn to the truth. The devil is the father of lies, but God is a God of truth. He is the truth. He's the whole truth. But sometimes we have to unpack it. Keep asking questions. Maybe somebody has spoken something over you and says, ah, you know, you're not going to get over this loss. Well, you can say, well, in Psalms 147.3, it says that Jesus heals the brokenhearted. He binds wounds. He helps us get over these things. Maybe somebody has said, ah, you're never going to find a wife or find a husband. Well, Matthew 7, 7 says that if you ask and keep asking, if you seek and keep seeking, if you knock and keep knocking, the door is going to be open to you. So ask, seek, knock, believe, and keep doing it until you get your miracle. Maybe you've said, I can't find a good job. Well, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, God has given us the power to gain wealth. He's given us the power to have a good income, the power to increase, the power to be blessed so that we can bless other people, so that we continue to be a light. Maybe somebody has, has spoken a word, maybe even a doctor, maybe somebody in a position of authority has spoken a word over a family member of yours that says, this sickness will be terminal. Well, you can say, Jesus Christ said in John eleven four, 4, this sickness will not end in death. This sickness will not cause death. This sickness will, will be turned around. It will come to life. Start speaking the truth that Jesus has spoken over you. Don't believe the lies that the world speaks over you. If you've been called a loser, say, no, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 37. You gotta get a little bit of a schoolgirl, schoolboy attitude when they come at you. Say, somebody says that you're not gonna make it. You say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. How do I know that? Because that's what God told us his name is. His name is I am. So don't let anybody tell you that you aren't or you can't or you won't or you're not good enough. We are made in the exact likeness and image of him. And if his name is I am, then my name is I am. Yes, I am. How do I know that? Because I removed the veil over my mind. The veil over the mind is anything that hides or distorts the truth. We have to remove the veil over the mind, and we also have to remove the veil over our heart. The veil of the heart. Exodus 26, 33. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy. It's interesting to me that, that the name of this seat, the name where, where God has chosen to put his presence is not the judgment seat. It's the mercy seat. The world tries to tell us that God is a judgy God. He just, he just judges all the wrong that you do. Well, well, if that were the case, then, then the first instance of God creating a lasting place for the presence of his glory would have been called the judgment seat. But no, he called it the mercy seat because that's what he wants to know first about him, that he is a God of mercy, everlasting mercy. That's why he named this place over the Ark of the Covenant, the place where he chose to put his presence as the mercy seat. So we would come to him. We would be ready to come to him. Now, his presence will bring judgment.
but not on people, on sin. His presence is meant to bring judgment on sin. In fact, the presence of God and sin cannot coexist. Whenever the presence of God enters into a place, a situation, sin is vanquished. Sin is extinguished. Sin is no more. There is a place where God has removed his presence. There's a place where sin can exist, and the sin that is attached itself to people, people can exist in a place called hell, the place where there is no presence of God. In his mercy, he has created this place because it wasn't built for human habitation. Hell was created for Satan and his demons who chose to reject the will of God, who chose to to elevate themselves instead of elevating God. That's what hell was created for. But because he is the father of lies, because he, he operates in deception, he has deceived people, and there are people who have sinned who, who do find themselves in that place. But, but it is his mercy because if they tried to bring themselves with sin in their life into the presence of God, they would be extinguished. They would be no more. There would be no, no way for them to enter in to the holy of holies in heaven, the presence of God. It's too powerful. And so in his mercy, he's created this place where his presence is not. But that's not, that's not where we want to live. Hopefully nobody in here wants to live there. Thank you, Jesus. The veil was a divider. Separated the holy place from the holy of holies. There was, there was so much power in the presence of God. If there was not the veil there, then anybody who came near that presence with sin in their life would be, would be extinguished. And this was, this was uh, actually demonstrated in a, a very powerful way. Aaron was the, the first authorized priest, and there was a process for him to cleanse himself and atone before he went into the Holy of Holies. And some of his sons, they, they, did, not, they did not honor God in the appropriate way. And so when they came into the presence of God in a, in a, in a sinful way, their lives were extinguished. In Leviticus 16.1, it says, The day of atonement. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in a cloud above the mercy seat. So we see that for the nation of Israel, there was only limited access to the presence of God. There wasn't free and unfiltered access. There, there was only one day a year where the high priest could, could wash himself and then, and then pro- provide a sacrifice for himself and for the nation and then go into the Holy of Holies and hear from God. Such a, such a limited amount of time and only one person, then everyone else had to just kind of learn from, from that experience or glean from that experience. But the presence must be regarded as holy. Why is that? Because if, you're, if your hearts are covered with a veil, then you can't, you can't enter into the presence of God. You can't enter into that place. So if we think about this nation, we think about the struggles they went through, and we, we actually walk a mile in their sandals, we can, we can start to feel and experience you know, what it was like to only have limited access to the presence of God, what it was like to maybe only once a year see that glory reflected, what it was like to, to never really experience it for yourself, just, just hear about what somebody else experiences was. But there's some good news. Who's ready for some good news? Through Jesus, we have full access. Come on, who wants full access? Full access through Jesus. Matthew 27, 50. 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud, agonized voice. I like the, the amplified uh, version in this scripture. Loud, agonized voice, and he gave up his spirit voluntarily, sovereignly, dismissing and releasing his spirit from his body in submission to the Father's plan. Whew, how powerful. And at once, the veil of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two, watch this, from top to bottom. From top to bottom, the earth shook and the rocks were split apart. There's nothing that we could have done. Only God could do this, and he demonstrated by tearing the veil from top to bottom. Not bottom to top, which could have been earthly hands, human hands, from top to bottom, but all the way to the bottom, so that as it was split, everybody now has access to the presence of God. Everybody can come in to the Holy of Holies. There's no more veil. The veil was torn. Jesus separated it. How is that possible? Because we know that, that the presence of God, even in his mercy, can bring judgment on sin. Well, it says in the Bible that when Jesus went to the cross, he became sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in the presence of God and sin cannot coexist. God had to remove his presence from his son. He had to remove his presence from his son so that his son could be your sin, could be my sin could be the entire sins of all the world, so that all, all, somebody say all, all of God's judgment would rest on him. That means there's no judgment left over for us. When we're in Christ, there is no judgment left over for us. That's why it's called the mercy seat, because Jesus took all of the judgment. But when he took all of the judgment, he gave us full access. He gave us full access. In Hebrews 10, 19, it's a call to persevere. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. How amazing is that, to think about that we can boldly come into the throne, that we have full access. Anybody ever been to Disneyland? Anybody ever had a full access pass at Disneyland where you could go on any ride you want, go to the front of the line? How good is that? Come on. Who wouldn't want that? Not just, not just free entrance into Disneyland, but a full access, excuse me, full access, go to the front of every line. How much, how much more powerful is full access to the throne of God? How much more powerful, how much more to be desired is entering in fully to, you can go to the front of the line. You don't have to wait. Each and every one of us can have full access. And yet, there's still people who don't want it. It blows my mind. But there's some people who still have the veil. They have the veil over their mind. They have the veil over their heart. Saul was, was one of those people. Saul, before his encounter, was a man who was, who was passionate about God. He was passionate about Yahweh, God. But he was misplaced in his implementation. He was zealously going in the wrong direction. But he had an encounter with God. An encounter that, that changed his name. An encounter that changed his life. In Acts 9, 3, it says, As he was approaching Damascus on, his, on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Even after a life-transforming encounter with Jesus, there was still a veil over his heart. And actually, from that encounter, he was, he was struck with blindness. And it wasn't until he went and did what he was called to do. In verse 17, so Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Even after the encounter with Jesus, even after encountering the light of the world, even after he, he was going one way zealously, wholeheartedly, and, and did a 180, and God reversed his course, he changed his name, he changed his destination, he changed his purpose, he changed his calling. Saul, who is now Paul, still had to lift some things off his life. He had, a, he had to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, be filled up with the presence of God. He had to be commissioned for this purpose. He had to be baptized. There's some things that we still need to do to lift the veil from our heart. We may be passionate about God, but misplaced in our direction, misplaced in our passion. We may be blinded by something. Maybe we have a blind spot. Everybody has a blind spot. There's times where we, where we think we're doing thing the, something the right way, maybe because, well, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else, else with Saul was, was believing, hey, we're, we're sticking to the religious order. We're sticking to Scripture. We're persecuting these people because we believe that's the, the godly thing to do. Sometimes even a large group of people, many times a large group of people, will be pointed in the wrong direction. But it takes those one encounters, just, just one person to, to see the light, one person to make the decision to do the work and remove the veil, and it can change a whole group of people. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because of that encounter, because he lifted the veil off his hearts. So the questions I have for us today is, is there a veil over our hearts? Is there any area in our life, even though we've given our life to Jesus Christ, even, even though we've said a prayer, is there still some area in our life where, where there's a veil, there's a distortion from the truth, there's something that we haven't committed fully to him, maybe, maybe just a little area where we're still holding on to something? Is it time for you to lift that veil off your life? Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. It's interesting, if you rearrange the letters of veil, you get the word evil. Hmm, something to think about. Is there a veil in your life that's really evil in your life, that's distorting your heart? Maybe it's time to lift the veil, lift the evil off of your life. What veils need to be removed from your life? What is limiting your encounters with God? Is there anything, maybe, maybe when you come into to worship, the worship experience this morning, who felt like we were in the presence of God this morning in worship? If you, if you didn't feel like that, why is that? Is there something that's, that's hindering you from, from encountering the presence in a powerful way? In the first service this morning, my, my eyes just kept leaking for some reason during worship. When you enter into the presence of God, it's an all-consuming presence. 
doubts and fears just fade away. You enter into his presence. If there's anything that's keeping you from that experience, and friend, today is the day you release those things. We want more than anything else for each and every person who, who comes into this house to have an encounter with God, an encounter with his presence. And the last verse I want to bring before we come to a close, Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Why don't we stand as we come to a close this morning? I'd like to pray for a couple of groups of people. The first group is anyone who feels like they may have a veil over their mind. Maybe it's been hard for you to, to, to see and expect God's blessings in your life. Maybe, maybe you've never really known him as a good father that has good gifts for you. Well, he has given each one of us a future and a hope. He has good plans for us. He wants you to see that. Maybe you need to lift that veil off your mind. Maybe, maybe we think uh, we just have to accept the cards that we've been dealt. It's just our lot in life. Petition God. If you're not happy with the situation you're in, if you feel oppressed or you feel abused or used, then petition God for a better situation. Ask and keep asking. Lift the veil off your, your mind over, over things that are, that are possible or impossible. Allow him to speak to you. Maybe you've been hurt by religion. This is not a contract. This is a covenant. Religion can be a contract. Maybe there's, there's somebody who's spoken harshly to you in the name of religion, like a Saul, like a, a leader or a teacher. But you know that's not what God intended for you. Allow the covenant relationship to come out. Maybe, maybe your marriage has felt like a contract and not a covenant. And you don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to say anything or recognize yourself in any way. But maybe you just need in this moment God to speak to you about how to restore the covenant. Each person has to make that decision. We can't, we can't make the decision for somebody else, but if each person chooses to have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, then they have a covenant relationship with each other. That's how they can meet as one. Not in the middle, they meet in him. He is the tie that binds. Maybe you just need to receive Jesus. Maybe you need to enter into that covenant relationship with him for the first time. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Remove the veil of the mind, the veil of doubt, the veil of uncertainty, the veil of, of fear, the veil of, of not knowing how this is all gonna work out. Well, the beautiful part about it is, is that you don't have to work this life out alone. You actually get to do it in relationship with him. That's why God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish. If you've never prayed that prayer, then I'd love to pray that prayer with you today. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you know that you need to remove the veil off your mind for any of these reasons, maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ, and especially if you know that you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I'd love to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand right now? Anybody who needs to remove that veil, God bless you.
God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. In the back, God bless you. Thank you. Over on the side, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you right there. I see the hand. Thank you so much. God bless you in the back. I see you. Removing that veil. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Hands all over this room. On the side, God bless you. Thank you so much. We need to remove old ways of thinking. We need to remove doubt. God bless you. I see you in the back. Mighty man. We need, we need to remove those, those words that have been spoken over us. We need to start speaking the truth, not listening to the father of lies, but listening to the truth that is Jesus Christ. Anybody else? I'd love to include you in that prayer. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you over on the side, up on the front. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Let's do this. Everybody repeat after me. Say these words. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord and Savior. Right now, I repent of my sins. I believe that God is my Father, that heaven is my home, that I have full access to all of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much. I wanna pray for one more group of people. Anyone, anyone, who believes that there may, just may be a veil over some portion of your heart. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus Christ, but there's some area, some way, where you know that you need to release, you need to release to him, you need to lift that veil off your heart. Maybe you're going through the motions of Christianity, maybe you've been saved, but, but you're doing it just because your parents did it or your grandparents did it. Maybe you're, you're going through this walk in Christianity as a contract and not a covenant. Maybe you need to enter into that intimate relationship with him. Maybe like Saul, you need to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even after that encounter with Jesus, he still had to release something. Maybe there's something that you've got to release off your heart today. Maybe a burden that you've been carrying for too long. Maybe you feel guilt or condemnation for, for the way that you used to live. Or, or even if it was zealous for God, if it was in the wrong direction and you're not sure if, if he can redeem you. Friend, he wants to redeem you today. He wants to point you in that right direction. I want to pray with you if that's you. Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to be filled with power. Come on, who wants to operate in miracles and signs and wonders? Pray for somebody and see them get up out of a wheelchair. Pray for somebody's sight and see them see. The blind will see with Jesus Christ. Maybe there's something that's, that's, that's been affecting you for a while. Maybe in your family line you need to break off some generational curses. You need to release that thing off your heart. Lift the veil off your heart. Yes, we are supposed to honor our mother and father, but first we are supposed to honor God. First we are supposed to honor the Lord. And if you're honoring the Lord with all your heart, then you're gonna honor your mother and father as well. Then you will fulfill that commandment as well. Why? Because Jesus said all of the law and all of the commandments are filled in those two things. Love God and love people. If you do that, then you're fulfilling all of the law and all of the commandments. Is there anything, is there anything that's blocking the presence of God in your life? Do you find it hard to engage in worship? Do you find it hard to receive in prayer? Is there a veil over your heart of sin that needs to be lifted? Then I wanna pray with you. This is what we're gonna do. This, the team is gonna bring a song and I wanna pray with you right now if you bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you, if you know that you need prayer, would you lift your hand? 
Lift your hand if you know you need to remove the veil of your heart. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. What is it that's holding you back from experiencing God? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Big section in the back. God bless you, thank you, Jesus. Anybody else, there's, you know that there's, there's a heart condition that needs to be, needs to be restored, needs to be removed. He wants to, he wants to encounter you today. This is a power encounter moment. God, I thank you right now. If that's you, would you do this? Just come down, come down to the altar. Take that step of faith. I want to get down off of here. I want to pray with you. Anybody here today, just come down to the altar. If you know you need that veil lifted off your heart, just begin to come right now. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to shake your hand and pray with you. Anybody here today? Come on, if they're coming, we're clapping. Thank you, Jesus, God. Thank you for this Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.